I'm Jimmy Fallon. Shut the f up and let me start. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a special Chicago Bears edition of the Damn Ryan Show, the official podcast of TheLoopSports.com. The next hour or so, we're going to bring you coverage of the Bears 2017 draft class uh, featuring coverage by Ben and Nick. Uh, two writers from the loopsports.com. They're kind of our Bears experts. Uh, excited to have them on the show for the first time. Guys, why don't you go ahead and say hello? Excited to be here. Yeah, how's it going, everyone? Excited to be here. Talk some Bears. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know that I don't really know a lot about football, so I'm excited to sit here and listen to you guys talk uh, and inform me and the rest of the listeners about what's going on with the Bears, what's going to be happening in the future, not only in 2017, but in 18 and 19 as well. Uh, so I'm going to turn things over here to Patrick Flowers, the managing editor of TheLoopSports.com, and he's sort of going to lead the discussion uh, as far as it goes with the Bears. So Patrick, take it away. I promise that the enthusiasm out of Nick and Ben was much higher in any of the first three takes of this intro. <laughs> <Shut up>. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, we're going to start with, with our second overall pick in the draft. I know you guys probably have some strong feelings either way about uh, the Mitch Trubisky pick and the uh, drama that led up to the shocker. So, Nick, what do you got? You're shaking your head. So uh, here's the problem with uh, them taking Trubisky. I like the pick, and I'll get into that later. But the problem is we had a conversation, and you know, I kind of did like four write-ups on who we thought they were going to take, and I really did a lot of work beforehand, and I really thought for the first time in like five years, I knew who they were going to pick. And of course, but they trade up, take Trubisky, no one knows what's going on. I'm just sitting there with my head down because I'm like, well, now I have to get started on something else completely. Like, I had no idea they were going to take him, but... As far as a personnel standpoint and kind of the move, how it affects the roster, it's interesting because it doesn't help them in 2017. Um, and a lot of people thought that that was going to be their move to help the team and give John Fox a piece that could, you know, help them win games and kind of save maybe Pace and Fox's job this season. And they didn't do that. Pace went and got his guy, which I give him kudos for doing because a lot of GMs don't have the balls to do that. They'll take whatever whoever Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay want them to take. And I give them credit for that. And at first, a lot of people were freaking out about the picks. But then Pace traded with the Cardinals and got all those picks back pretty much. So you can't really fault them for trading the picks. And if you like a guy, you like a guy. That's kind of my take on it. And I'll let Ben say what he's going to say. We can kind of get in the mechanics of like Trubisky and you know him as a player. I totally agree. It took a lot of stones to do what he did there, making that trade and getting his guy. It took some conviction, but... I really thought this was going to be a defensive draft, and I thought that was going to be the focus of it. And I really, really like Jamal Adams out of LSU. I thought I thought he was a, like a home run for the team in all aspects, especially leadership, because Trubisky's not going to really take that role this year. And I think that's a big part of what our team needs. But I think like if you go through the quarterbacks we've had since like Sid Luckman, it's just like it's just this list of miserable schmucks who like do have done nothing for our team. Other than, I guess you could say Jim McMahon, but he's, he wasn't really a franchise quarterback, in my opinion. But like the last hold, on. Was, hold on, hold on, you're gonna have a break right there. He's not. Hold on, he's not. Jim McMahon was a replacement level quarterback on a legendary surrounding cast. Yeah, Jake Cutler was a far better quarterback 
than Jim McMahon ever was. I absolutely agree. If you put Jay Cutler on the 85 Bears, that team goes undefeated. Absolutely. And then maybe go undefeated for the next two years. I mean, like, this team has been mediocre at that position, I guess, with exception to Jay Cutler and that, that 2010 run. But we've been mediocre in this position for so long. And Ryan Pace was just like, I've had enough of that. And I want to make this so we never have to be in this position again. And he did that, and I thought it was a great move, in my opinion. And I think uh, I think he took the best guy, the biggest position of need in terms of like the future of our franchise. Yeah, I agree with you there. This move's definitely going to be the deciding factor in Ryan Pace's career with the Bears, and probably as a general manager anywhere in the league, because yeah. if Mitch Trubisky is a bust... We'll know that three or four years down the line. Everybody usually says that you got to wait three years to really evaluate a draft class. Even play in his first season, you have to give it four years. So, you know, down the line, we're going to find out. And it took a lot of it took a lot of stone for him to go and do it. And I liked the move after the initial shock wore off because we were all blindsided by it. Um, and I agree with Ben. I was really hoping for a lot of help on the defensive side of the ball this draft. And it was disappointing that we didn't get it, uh, especially in the later rounds. Now, here's I really argument. like Eddie Jackson. Here's my argument with the defensive players. That's fine. We take Jamal Adams at three. Number one, I don't think defensive backs are worth it that early. Mm. I think they have too many injury problems, and I don't think they provide as much value. Because you got to look at that when taking the draft pick. I would have taken, if you're going to take, if the 49ers weren't going to take Thomas, I would have jumped to that second pick. I thought they were for sure taking Thomas, and that's why they jumped. Right. But I would take Solomon Thomas just because he helps the team even more than Adams would this season and in beyond. I mean, yeah, you I don't know. That's just my take on it. I don't know you how you guys feel about that. Yeah, you solidify the defensive line for the next decade. Like, yeah. We went we D-line last year and go D-line again this year. I thought that, that would also have been a great move. I just think, I mean, taking a guy that's start 13 games in college, that's been a lot of the talk about why it was not the best pick. And, like, he couldn't beat out the starter two years in a row. And well, now here's North, my, Carolina's, here's my, North, North Carolina's head coach has already said since the draft that there wasn't, it wasn't the fact that he couldn't – he wasn't a better quarterback than Marquise Williams necessarily. It was more or less the continuity that that team had at that time with Marquise Williams under center, and he didn't want to change that. So, I mean, I don't know – if he really, really means that, or if he's just saying that now because it's a it's a relevant topic, and now he, you know, people are calling into question his ability to judge talent after Trubisky came in and, and played phenomenal this season. But I don't know. I guess thirteen games is at the at the college level is lacking experience a little bit, but the numbers the numbers were great. My argument against that is, is that Pace has to like. There's a part of me that just thinks there's no way Pace can be that stupid and just be like, okay, he only played 13 games. I mean, obviously he saw something on film from who we talked to that made Trubisky stand out and that overcame the fact that he had basically 10 games or 13 games of college experience. And you, you hope that his scouting abilities, which have been pretty good. And as you've seen in Jordan Howard, um, who else? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Jordan Howard, white hair, Cody Whitehair, 
and you know a couple of late round picks. The scouting even abilities are Floyd. there. Yeah, even Leonard Floyd. Floyd. <laughs> I mean, I did not like the Floyd pick, and when he sacked Rogers on that Thursday night football game, I was like, and just you just see the raw athletic ability. I mean, it's like Julius Peppers, and I don't want to say Von Miller because Von <laughs> Miller's Von Miller, but he has that potential if he Absolutely. stays healthy. Absolutely, I just think, I think. The 13 games, I think from a scouting perspective, it's hard to really tell what a player can be and what, and what his potential is from that from that um, sample. And I, I don't really know if you can do your due diligence with those 13 games. But he won a lot of football games, so he, and you can really see his pocket presence is incredible, and he can really scramble, too. I mean, when I watched the, his highlights, it's just you could actually see, like, an Aaron Rodgers-type runner out there. I agree with you for the most part on that. Um, but the way that the college game works now and the, you know, every college quarterback now playing in the, in the spread offense and not playing in a pro style offense kind of already screws the whole scouting thing up. It doesn't matter how many games a guy, the guy can play 13 games or he can play 26 games in North Carolina's offense. And it's still, none of it's going to translate translate into a pro style offense. We still don't know how he can drop back. We still don't know how he can play under center. We still don't know how well his reads are going to be, how quickly he'll be able to, well, he does get to his progressions quickly in their offense, but how is that going to translate to the next level? We're just basically left with nothing but watching his, his mechanics on tape. And, you know, you can get that in 13 games, you can get it in 26, you can get it in five games. You, you know, you can see, you can get it in his pro day or at the combine. You can see with your eyes, you know, can he, is he fundamentally sound? Is he squared up when he throws the ball? Is his footwork good? What's his release like? So the 13 yeah, games isn't really bothering me all that as much as it is other people. The biggest concern for me, for Trubisky, is that 98% of the snaps were in the shotgun. So if he right. never develops that ability to drop back, well, that's going to be a freaking problem because we got Jordan Howard who needs a quarterback who can play under center. And that's the bottom line. You need to be able to run the football, especially in the NFC, to win. And that's just Bears football. That's how it's always going to be. And when it gets cold in January or December and it's playoff time, you need to be able to run between the tackles. And if your quarterback can't hand the ball off underneath the center, you're going to have problems. <laughs> Absolutely. The one thing we haven't talked about is like how this like plays into the Mike Glennon signing. I think I thought it was that's 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 what hit me first when I get, I saw this draft pick. Like I, at first, I wasn't happy, but then you think about it because we're paying Glennon the eighteen million in the first season because that's all that's guaranteed. And I think what happens if Glennon has an amazing season here? Like do do we we, we just spend a, our second overall pick on this quarterback and he might not get to play if Glennon ends up playing phenomenally. And again, I think that goes back to why, like, what was what was the communication between Ryan Pace and John Fox? Because if you ask John Fox, let's be honest, he's saying, "Give me Solomon Thomas, Jamal Adams. I want someone who can help me win games to save my ass this year, not the quarterback that's going to play in two to three years." And about Clendon, I really didn't like that he was mad about the draft pick because it's like, okay, you're mad you have to compete now in training camp. Like, come on. I mean, that's that's BS right, right there. 
But well, this is the second time that's happened to him now. Right, I understand that, but this is the <laughs> NFL. This isn't you. Just because you got paid doesn't mean you're going to be the guy. And he still has to go out there and earn it, which I like. I always like quarterback quarterback competitions. But I see it could be a similar situation what Dallas had. Think if Romo never got hurt last year, never had the back injury, Romo would have played. They still have a good. They still had good depth with Dak, because God knows Romo would have went down at some point, and the, you know Dak would have you know came in, but maybe that's going to happen this year. I mean, the Bears don't have the best luck with quarterbacks. I mean, look at last year, who I did not think Barkley was going to start. We could see Trubisky, and then we could see Sanchez. What if Trubisky gets hurt? I mean, I mean that's the NFL, so I'm glad we have two comparable quarterbacks, but at the same time, it's kind of like, okay, Pace, what are you doing here? Because if your whole plan all along was to take a quarterback that high, why not just keep Jay or just keep Sanchez or sign Hoyer for a $5, you know, $5 million deal? Absolutely. And just keep them instead right. of giving Glenn an eighteen million. I think that's where yeah. there's disconnect between Fox and Pace. And ultimately, I don't think Fox is Pace's guy. No, that was that was not his hire. And I heard, I actually heard one of one of my friends in the scouting department, and he's heard that the McCaskies really wanted Fox because he's won a Super Bowl, but Pace wanted to make another hire, which. We'll see what happens this offseason, but Pace, I think, is safe. But if Fox doesn't win six to seven to even eight games this year, I mean, he's going to be gone and it's going to get interesting. Yeah, I don't think that was ever his hire to begin with. I think that he was, they were, that was, hire was forced upon him. And that was a condition of taking the job uh, as a general manager in the first place. So, you know, if, if they don't, we all know that if they don't increase their wins by three to four games at the minimum this year, that Fox is going to be gone. Not Pace, just Fox. And I think it'll Pace be, is gone? Uh, no, absolutely no. not. No, you because you got to get the, you, you have to have that turnaround on your on evaluating draft classes, and this is going to be his last chance. You know, when this draft class can be evaluated accurately in a few years on the line, this will be the deciding factor on his future. If the Bears were to fire. Pace after this year wouldn't make any sense. You can't. The, this team, what Phil Emery did to this organization, is crazy because there's nothing left besides Kyle Long. I don't even want to hear about Kyle Fuller as a joke. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no, there's nothing left, and that's the problem. I mean, it's going to take. It's taken. Like Bears fans are mad. They only won three games last year, but what did you expect? People were expecting a playoff team. How they have no depth. Once yeah. Eddie Royal or someone went down, it's over with, and that's that's what the bear, and that's a problem too. They need to come out. They don't come out and say what they're saying, and I know a lot of the local media is frustrated with that. They need to come out and saying, "Hey, we don't expect to win games." Brian Pace was asked, "They plan to go to the Super Bowl anytime soon?" And his response was, "It depends on our quarterback play." Really? How about say, you know, what depends we're on a lot more than the quarterback play, right? And just just come out and say, "Listen, we're in a transition." And it's going to take some time. The Cubs did that, and it worked out really well. And I think yeah. more teams should just come out and be honest with their fans because you know what? Like White Sox fans, look what Rick Hahn's done. Yeah. Now well, we know. I don't, I'm not getting frustrated. I mean, it all boils pissed. down to the fact that the McCaskies right. don't just want to sell tickets. So the McCaskies are yeah. not going to allow Pace to come out and say, we're in a transition year. This is a wash. We're going to evaluate talent, and we're going to kick the can down the road at free agency with some one- and two-year signings to put some bodies on the field. It'll be a little bit better than the last ones we had, but not the final solution. And that's what it is. But because that's not going to put seat, you know, that's not going to sell tickets. It's not going to put butts in the seats. And that's that's priority number one with the Bears. I think this goes to Ted Forbes, too, though. Like, 
Uh, he needs to be if if they have another if they win three games this year, he just needs to be fired. They need to bring in a guy who knows football. Bring in, bring in a businessman running our football team. Yeah, I don't need Ted Phillips to run the team. And it's like it's almost like a Jerry Reinsdorf, his son, and like Gar Pex, John Pex yeah. situation going on there. And it's like I don't. And another thing that frustrated me with Trubisky is like I again I like to pick, but. Pace was said, "Oh yeah, George and I like George and George McCaskey and I like really like him." And yeah, I don't want to hear what George like, McCaskey. I don't need, I don't need the president involved. Yeah. It's like I don't, I don't want Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn's business in terms of the like the White Sox front office, for example. Like, stay the hell out. Yeah, I'm doing a good enough job right now. You, you know, you're sitting up in your office suite and, and take credit when it's all done. When it's all said and done, I don't want. To, I don't care what Ted Phillips thinks about the draft picks because I don't value Ted Phillips as a talent evaluator. So that's no, he should have been. You know, he should have been fired yesterday. Yeah. If we're if we're being honest, he should have been gone right. when Lovey was gone, and that's just the truth. Well, regardless yeah. of like how much you like Trubisky, I just think this this pick really showed the disconnect of the front office and, and the coaching staff. Uh, just, yeah, I, there is a big disconnect, and that's a problem because it, it's going to really suck if they fire Fox, which I'm not sold on Fox as a great head coach. Someone really, someone told me that really struck me. It's like Fox is great for rebuilding your franchise, but when it comes time to win, you need to find someone else. Kubiak, like that's a, the, the Broncos. Like, yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly, and that's the thing. What for whatever reason, his in game. Monday through Thursday, he's great. Friday through Sunday, not so much. Yeah. I it's it it was a a shocking. I just the trade too. I just like would it, would the 49ers have traded that pick knowing that they weren't going to get Solomon Thomas? Like I Well, the, here that's the thing. It's uh, my uncle texted me about this a lot. He's uh, he thinks that the Bears literally negotiated with themselves. And it kind of goes back to the Glennon deal because no other team wanted Mike Glennon. So why the hell did we choose to pay him $18 million? We could have paid him $10 million or something. If he's not getting, if we're competing with ourselves, why are we going to pay this guy that much money? And I think that is 100% right. And that's the thing. Until we get some like continuity there, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. That's why this season is so interesting because we got, now we have a quarterback and we have all these weird pieces. But number one, how is Fox going to use him? Because Fox could say, you know what? I really don't like Trubisky, what I saw in camp, and could make him the third-string quarterback. Absolutely. Then what? I mean, Pace and Fox need to be on the same thing, and they need to stop blowing smoke to everyone. If they just come out and say, you know, we don't expect to make the playoffs for the next couple of years, and that's that's what this pick is telling me. Because if you're not going to help the team right now, that means, you know what, you expect to have another bad season, and we'll, we'll address this on the defense next next draft and we expect to have another top five six pick again absolutely i totally agree i just think i again i, I really I, I like the pick i just i just don't think it's where it's the kind of pick that helps our football team and that, right. that's i mean that's the point of the draft where, where you're trying to build a team that could be competitive on the field but it's a quarterback league well, if you look at what Belichick does, he gets players that can play right away. He gets Absolutely. the most value. Like, he traded his, what, I think it was first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. Well, Brandon Cooks is going to play <laughs> pretty a lot. So, I mean, it's just, and a lot of people, like, go off what Belichick does, and I think, you know what, at the same time, I like the move, but if Pace misses, like you said, he's gone. I mean, that's 
Yeah. Really, like, the thing that really struck me about this was like how the Browns went about their draft in such a different way, and they got a guy we were thinking about getting um, in Deshaun Kaiser at 57 in the draft, and he's arguably more talented and more proven in a sense than Trubisky. That was a slide. That was one hell of a slide. Yeah, and I mean, and this is the thing about the draft. I hate the draft for these reasons. Because when I'm like trying to do scouting reports and stuff, and I read like, oh, he interviewed bad for one team, or he said some ignorant comments. Well, you guys are asking him stupid ass questions. What do you want him to say? Like when they question when whether the kid should come out of school or not. I mean, if he's going to get drafted somewhere in the first four rounds, then I think it's an okay decision to come out of school. Totally. I mean, you're going to get a couple mil, and you're going to get a chance to prove yourself eventually. What's wrong with that? Trubisky's good. I just. This like this was like a weirdly like deep quarterback draft, even though it wasn't top heavy. Like Davis Webb went in. I was really surprised that Kansas City moved up for Mahomes because I thought that was someone we could have went with. Absolutely, I don't know if I mean I could have seen Pace taking like Thomas or um, a guy from his name jamal adams and then trying to get back trading all those second third round picks to move back up in the first round to take a mahomes kaiser that would have been the best the the scenario that would have made me the most comfortable right if nick was the gm that's what what i would have done yeah i mean again i like the risky pick but that's what i would have done (laughs) because you get that honestly you get the most value right yeah that's the gold Nick, can you please have like a regular segment on the Loop Sports where like if Nick was the GM, here's what yes. I would do. Can you yeah. please do that like weekly? Yeah. Yes. yes. That'd be amazing. Look me in. What do you yes. hold on, all right. As much as as much as we, we could probably we'll probably get back to Mitch Trubisky in a little bit and we could probably talk about it for quite a while. But uh, what do you guys think about the our uh, our next pick, the tight end, baby Gronk? Shaheen and um Shaheen. Again, total out of left field. I'm expecting to take whatever. I think it was King, the corner, who was there. And mm-hmm. again, a guy could help you. But at the same time, it's like the more I look into this pick, it's like, man, if Pace, again, you have we. the problem with all of this is a lot of people don't trust his scouting. And we have to trust his scouting on these picks because I've never heard of the guy. I never even watched film on him until, you know, he's playing D2 football. Like, what the hell is this guy? I'm like, are you serious? And then you look into him, it's like, Huh, he was drafted around where Gronk was drafted. He has the same physical attributes. And it's like, okay, maybe he can turn into like a Jimmy Graham type player. And mm-hmm. if Pace wants to build a team like that, kudos to him. But all this has to work out, is right. my point. Again, there's so much risks involved. And so that's where it scares me. My theory on the D2 picks is if you, if he's picking these guys, if he's going to take a tight end out of a Division two school that high in the draft, he's out. Obviously, done a ton of homework on him. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if he's gonna if he's gonna take D two players, there's nothing wrong with taking D two players. But people just have to like relax and trust his scouting and do what he's gonna do. This guy broke the single season record for D two catches or touchdown catches by a tight end, sixteen. And it's I, he he looks good on paper, but it, he went the what, Ashland University is the Great Lakes Intercollegiate Athletic Conference? Like, I, I mean, no wonder he caught 16 touchdown passes. Like, it, it, like, what kind of competition is he playing against? He's athletic, but, like, 
how does that translate to the National Football League when you're playing against the best defenders in the world? I have to give you my obligatory Sorry, interruption we're, right we're, now. We're laughing about uh, <laughs> how many times Ben was just interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> you kept trying to say something, and I was like, oh, Ben's going to talk now. And then Nick would say something, and then Nick would wrap up, and Ben starts to talk, and then Patrick is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're passionate about football here, all right? Of course. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, like, but that, that sure. pace, that pace look at, like, like he's the guy who's got a Jimmy Graham, right? Like, like he found that guy, and he made that, that guy turn into a superstar. Jimmy Graham's, like, one of the most athletic tight ends and we've ever seen, and this guy has that opportunity, but, like, these mini Gronk comparisons. Gronk played at a D1 football school, like, and... Like we signed Deion Sims this offseason. Like I just, I just don't think, I just don't think this was the place at this point in the draft. There was a run on tight ends, and I get that this guy was probably going to go in the second round. But we needed to add to the defense. We needed to add quality players to the defense, and we didn't do that. And that, that, that it's not about the player for me. It's about the value we got with the pick and the the person personnel that we needed to add that we didn't. So here's the thing with the Deion Sims thing. Sims is basically a run-blocking specialist, so that's where it kind of fits in. And again, it's does Pace see this guy on the field this year? Here's the problem with the G2 guys. Are they going to be able to get on the field this year? And go with my gut. It says no just because they're D2 players. They need to learn the system. The they need to learn how to... They will. Right. On the offensive lines, totally different. You're right. But it just comes down to that. And it's like, at the same time, if Pace is right, with his scouting again, just like if he's right with Trubisky, this is a great pick. Looks like a genius. If you, right. if yeah. Right. Like, like, but again, those like the GMs talking about in the league, like if every other team in football thinks like you did something like wrong, like you probably, you may have done something wrong. And but, I, I don't want to judge a book by its cover, but I get again, tight end is important in this in this National Football League right now. It's one of the most important positions, and two tight end set is a dangerous thing, and it really can screw with defensive um, formations. But again, Ashland University Eagles. I I just I think yeah. I think you do a lot of scouting on this guy, but what can you truly see on the tape for a Division two football player? And, and I mean, if he's not going to help... guy's almost 7 feet, season. 300 pounds, and he's got a vertical like an <laughs> NBA power forward. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Their pace is obviously looking for athletic ability. And like Patrick said, he he's done it before. He found Jimmy Graham, who was a basketball player. Yeah. And yeah. He became, I mean, that's the thing. And I completely understand about the whole other NFL GMs. But a lot of that's smoke because... Again, if we're going to list to Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and all those guys and the other GMs around the league, then that's fine. But look at what Belichick's done. He's an innovator. Right. And I, that's what, I guess that's what I'm hoping Pace is doing. He's an innovator. He's saying, who gives a shit if they're D2 players? If they're good, they're good. They can play in the NFL. They have the ability. And we're going to take them. And we're going to value these guys that other teams don't. And hopefully they turn out. And it looks like a great pick. And I think that's I where, was just going to say that. That's where I'm good. That's where I'm good with Pace. I am totally fine with him being an innovator. But if he's an innovator and this stuff doesn't work out, he's getting fired. And that's the risk that it comes with. He could have played it safe, but a lot of GMs do, like Angelo did for years, and that's fine. He could have, he could have taken all the defensive guys, but 
if he wants to be great like he does, you're going to have to be an innovator, and he's going to have to do things a little bit differently. And I can't fault him for that. That's yeah. that's what my point is. Realistically, the New England Patriots have had some of the least exciting drafts of any team in football during their this entire era since he's been around. And they've been. I mean, look at him. It's the numbers don't lie. The results don't lie. Nobody's gotten excited about a Patriots draft. And they continuously build from within throughout their drafts and their signings of guys that nobody wanted to take a look at and whatnot. Yeah, they got and won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Shane McClellan. This Shane like, I'm kid. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he like made like four tackles and almost had a forced fumble in Super Bowl too. I mean, it's it's about just getting the player that fits your system, being able to identify that. So obviously Loggins and Pace sat down and said, you know what? We like Trubisky. This huge-ass tight end, let's pair them together, and we can see them in our system doing wonders. It's not like the Mike Mart system where they don't use a tight end. We had to get rid of arguably the best tight end in football right now, Greg Olson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a move they regret. Anytime you, it, this, this guy's drawing comps to Gronk. If he comes half if he becomes half of what Gronk is, I'm sold. Okay, let's just, you know, Gronk comparisons, great. Perfect. If he, even if he lives up to be only half of what Gronk is, but in the fourth round, they did address the defensive side of the ball. Eddie Jackson, that's a good pick. I good love pick. that pick. That's actually one of my favorite picks in the entire draft for them. Now I love this pick for two reasons. One is Eddie Jackson. If he never broke his leg, was going top fifteen. Yes. Okay. Number two is. He played in a Saban defense, which is an NFL-style 4-3 sled. They do run 3-4, though, which not a lot of people know that. They do it constantly. They switch. It depends on the game. Like in the national championship, they switch to 3-4. So Eddie knows all the calls of a 3-4, 4-3. He's fast, which, again, the return game has sucked since Hester's uh, left. So now we got another return man. And now there's that safety. And maybe Pace, and this is another thing too, Pace could have had Jamal Adams lower on his big board than we did based on a number of different things. So we really don't know. And that's why when people say, oh, Pace is horrible, blah, 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 for these picks, you can't really say that. You can kind of gauge the pick from the rest of the league. But, I mean, I'm excited about Eddie Jackson, especially if he's healthy. He's fast. He can cover. He can tackle. That's what I want my safety to do. Hopefully he can return kicks too. I mean, the kid had more interceptions, or had the you know he had the exact same amount of interceptions in his career at Alabama that the Bears had last season. Like, I mean, I mean, we need we need talent in the secondary. It's as simple as that. And this guy, this kid's talented. This kid could make an impact right away if he stays healthy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, his return his three rounds, 55 yards, 93 yards. That was on interception returns. Yeah, those I were, mean, you know, 15, those were, you know, 15 yard returns. Those were long returns. This, this kid is dangerous with the ball. He just started returning punts in his senior season before he broke his leg. And he was yeah. averaging 27 yards yeah. per punt return. Says, yeah, 23 yards. It's still, still incredible. I mean, yeah. It would. Especially in the that's the kind of playing in the SEC. I mean, that's the kind of production we need, and that's the bottom line from the return game. And plus, we need competition there. That's great. Devontae Thompson, I swear, if I have to see him return one more kick, or who do we have? 
uh, who's the white guy? Marinani or whatever his name was. Uh, oh my God! Thank God. Mark Marinani. Yeah, I mean, just awful. I mean, that's fine. He's basically a guy who's just going to go in there every time and fair catch, which is fine. But give me someone back there who can take it back or knows what he's doing, too. And let's create some competition at some positions we weren't originally going to have competition at. I mean, that's how the NFL or that's how NFL teams get better is creating competition. I mean, look at the Seahawks, look at the Patriots. Those are their biggest things, creating competition and doing your job. That's what the Bears need to create. Do your job. He's competing. Is he going to compete directly with Quentin Demps, right? No, he's going to start on. No, the he's on the free safety side. On the okay. Side. Yeah, yeah. So Demps, Demps is be. going to start at strong safety. Right. They're looking for a free safety, and I, if Eddie Jackson stays healthy, there's no reason he can't start. No, he's transitioning from from Alabama from that defense from Nick Saban's pro style defense. And, you know, all, all of the I've heard no negative marks on Jackson's ability to uh, lead the defense in the in the secondary in the backfield. And so he can definitely be a guy who can start this season, you know, if he's healthy at the free safety position. Yeah, he's a ball hawk. I mean, I, yeah, know, I mean, he's got he's got hands. He's got ball skills. He's when he gets the ball, he's dangerous. He's a game changer. You know, how exciting was it when we had. When we knew that we had Charles Tillman and Mike Brown and them guys in the secondary who were going to take the ball, and when they did, they were going to score a touchdown a good percentage of the time. Go yard. Like, yeah. I mean, again, in this division, we have Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford, and I guess you could say Sam Bradford at, the, at this point, and we're playing against these guys, and we need to, we need to get the ball away from them. That's how you win football games in our division, and... A guy like Eddie Jackson is an incredible value. When we were talking about drafting a safety with a third overall pick, we got arguably a similarly talented safety at this juncture in the draft. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, I agree. Um, the one pick that I'm that I'm least excited about in this draft is the running back, Cohen. Many and it's kind of, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Eddie Sproles. There's more. It's not even that I. I don't think he's a, a good running back, or he doesn't have the potential to translate to to the pro game. I just, I don't think that we needed a running back whatsoever. I think that was the that was the one pick in the draft that was absolutely wasted on a position that we didn't need any help at. Yeah, this was the one pick for me too, where it's kind of like, okay, pace maybe you went a little too far here with whatever you're trying to do, but. At the same time, to try and look at it as an optimistic Bears fan or an optimistic guy, Jeremy Langford and Ryan Howard, or uh, yeah, Jordan Howard, cannot catch the ball out of the backfield. That's the bottom line. Langford is not reliable whatsoever. He was good in his first year, decent. This year, for whatever reason, last year was not good. So I feel like Pace is bringing that guy in. And again, he was from the Saints. It's like he's almost building this team in the image of the Saints. And my next guess is next offseason, if Peyton gets run out of New Orleans, is he coming to Chicago to kind of do a similar thing? Because with the Trubisky uh, draft pick, all of a sudden the Bears become a more likable destination for head coaches just because we have a young quarterback to develop. That's the bottom line. Now, if it's Jay Cutler or Mike Lennon, who, who wants to really come here? If you have a young franchise quarterback that's waiting to be groomed, then more people are going to be likely to come here. And that goes back to the disconnect with the front office and everything. 
and all that. I'm sure John Fox didn't like this pick. He's probably thinking, what the hell is going on? We could have had a corner or added some depth on the D-line. But again, if this player turns out, this D2 stud turns out to the same value he was in D2 to the NFL, then Pace hit a home run. But again, is it worth the risk? We won't know. And that's the problem with this whole draft with Ryan Pace and why he's getting negative reviews is because we won't know the value of these picks for two to three years, most likely. I totally agree. I think Trey Coney tore up division two. He had 1,500 yards in two seasons in a row, it looked like. And uh, again, my my continuing thought on this is like we need to add a defense. But if this starts from the draft, I thought like maybe getting a I mean, our top three receivers this year are um, Cam Meredith and Kevin White, who for all Unproven. purposes hasn't been able to play a full season. And we needed to get some talent there, and I thought we would add some guy like that here. But we added a five foot six, one seventy nine running back who, who could break like a twig against NFL running or NFL defense. Yeah. I would like to see a receiver there. A a roll of the dice receiver, a receiver that can either, you know, you never know. Look at, I mean, Cam Meredith was, was a quarterback at St. Joe's in high school. And he was a quarterback for two years at at Illinois state, you know, before he even became a wide receiver. And, you know, he, he's played very well. He's, it's still yet to be determined if he can do that is in the number one or number two role. We'll see. He's. It looks like it. He looks pretty good. He's got, you know, there's no reason why he can't. But I would like to see them grab one more receiver. Uh, we also, I've done it myself a couple of times. We're forgetting that we signed Marcus Wheaton. Another good wide receiver. So right now we had three and you can't even say Wheaton's a good wide receiver because we injury prone. Mm-hmm. Same with Kevin White. So it's like we say all these things. The NFL is so weird and kind of what kind of, you know, turns off a lot of people is injuries happen like almost every snap or every other snap. So if one guy is not going down, it's surprising in a game. So the Bears are going to have, I mean, they still have Eddie Royal, who I'm stunned hasn't been cut. So yes. if, if you go into season with that, you know Royal or Wheaton. Hopefully not white, but the odds tell us he's going to get hurt, is going to go down, and then what do you have? And it's not a whole lot. Yeah, you got Cam Meredith, Kendall Wright, and Marcus Wheaton. And then- Kendall Wright, yeah. We had an... Well, I don't know. I'm not happy about the Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's another head-scratching pick, but again, if it turns out, it's great, and that's kind of the whole problem with this draft. Doesn't help them now, but two years from now, it could, but that's the thing. Is Pace even going to be here two years from now if they win three games? I would think so, but is he? What? who's going to be the head coach? And there's so many questions, and it's frustrating for Bears fans because when we fired Tressman, we thought we were going to get the answers to those questions, and we just haven't yet because the roster has been had to be fully made over. Right. But back to this Cohen guy, you, again, Similar to Shaheen, he tore up the D2 statistically, like, three years ago. I mean, he had, like, 2014, he had 15 touchdowns. 2015, he had 15 touchdowns. 2016, he had 18 touchdowns. And above 200 yards receiving all three years and at least 1,300 rushing yards all three years. Like, this guy's a high usage back. And, he, again, it's D2 competition, but you're right. I think he... I mean, he also played division... Talented. You're right. He, but he also played division one schools. 
So I mean, yeah. Not, I, I, yeah. I mean, he, I know he, for a fact he played North Carolina last yeah. year. So it's not it's not as though he's never seen uh, you know competi- a level of competition higher than than a Division two program. So yeah, I mean, I was basically reaffirming your point that the numbers are so gaudy at that level that there's got to be some chance that they translate to a higher level of competition. He's an athletic freak. Like yeah. you see the backflip video where he catches two balls at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Like. That brings you back to, I can't think of that kid, kid's name a couple of years ago who jumped out of the pool and we were all talking about him. Seventh round draft pick. Like, so it's kind of like that in that case. I've, I have no idea who his name is, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar to that, but I didn't I didn't actually hate this draft pick that much because it's a nice change of pace to what, the way Jordan Howard runs. Maybe he could play this year a little bit, but he's small. Change of pace. Real small. Uh, you know who's not small? Yeah. Change, change of pace. Yeah. Oh, okay. Change of pace, yeah, right. But you know who's not small? Jordan Morgan. <laughs> no. Six foot four, three hundred and nine pound offensive lineman. The Bears final pick in the draft. They're Mr. Irrelevant. What are your feelings? I I like this move just because I think Pace has shown in the past two drafts that he can hit on a offensive lineman from D two or from or uh from not who hasn't been scouted as highly, and he can turn them in with whatever his system. He can turn them into a solid piece, and I think we need that piece as much as I love Kyle Long. Again, injuries last two years, they've hurt him. Josh Sitton, he's up there in age. Is he going to be healthy for a full season? I don't know. Oh, it's always nice to have depth. I like this move, um, but again, you would like to see them address the defensive side of the ball, which is kind of kind of the common theme in the draft. We only got one defensive player, which is interesting. But again, if, if Pace is right, if Pace is right on all of these picks, then he looks like a genius. But if he's not, the defense is going to suffer for another couple, three to four years. Again, just because of the fact that the free agency hasn't gone the way the Bears thought of it, it would have last two years. If it would have gone the way they would have, they would have had Clays Campbell and they would have a couple other top-rated cornerbacks. And Chicago's just not a top destination right now, so they really do need to build through the draft. So, I don't know. It's, it's a, I like the pick, but, again, it just, they just didn't address the defense, which is kind of surprising. I mean, he's yeah, a super talented kid, but there's other guys available at the draft at that juncture. It wasn't Desmond King out of Iowa available there? I think, and... Uh, I don't know about King, but I know there were some corners on the board that could have had some chances to be up on the up there on the depth chart and contributing. Yeah, a flyer pick, in my opinion, would have been better than this. I think offensive line is one of the strengths of our football team at this. I mean, like at this juncture with sitting and long, and I don't know. It's just three three out of five D two picks at this point. Like it's shocking, but and again. again right- that- that's the problem with this draft. If we got to have a problem with this draft, it's it's going to be the D2 picks, and it's going to be, the question is, can this translate to the NFL? It's unheard of. No one has ever had a draft like this, ever. Like, in the history of the National Football League, no one has drafted this many, like, this high of a percentage of D2 players. And it's, I mean, Pace literally staked his career on this one draft because of how many players he took from low uh talent competition schools and we'll see i mean he's one of the best linemen in his respective division and conference and he was 
looks like he's three-time all all um, division first team and and he won an offensive athlete of the year in the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference, but which is awarded like quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, which is interesting. But you're playing against worse competition, and you're playing probably as not a refined technique as you learned in a division division one school. And he's going to come in here and probably be a rotation guy when we could have got a guy competing for the cornerback position that is really what we needed to address in this draft. My opinion wasn't the best pick at this juncture, yeah. but we'll see how it turns out. This is, it. We, we've, we've all touched on it during this, this hour so far. This is, like we said, this was a draft that defied the normal thought process, and it's either it's, it's going to make or break his career. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be a genius on if he hits on most of these picks, or he's gonna be a fool and he's gonna be run out of town, and he probably won't get another job as a general manager in the NFL after that. So it'll be interesting to see as we move forward. But what are your overall feelings a week after the draft now, and you've got to process all of the picks and really look into them and their numbers. How how much better do you feel, or worse do you feel, than you did on the twenty sixth of April? Well, I'd say I really I really like the Trubisky pick just because it's like since I've been around and you know my girlfriend's parents and my parents, Bears never taken a kid with this much talent this early. I mean, they just haven't, and this kid's the future. But at the same time, it's almost as if Pace was saying the opposite of what he's planning on doing at the press conference this year. said, you know, we're going to be better next year. We expect to compete. Well, you didn't add a lot on the defense. I don't see how this team is going to be in 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. It's almost as if Pace is expecting to be bad this year. Fox is going to be fired, or maybe not. But either way, they're going to be bad this year, and they're expecting to have another – one to two high draft picks next season. That's the way I see it. After this draft, I was I was really not happy. I, I mean, like the day after that Sunday, I just I just felt so pessimistic about the future of this football team, and I kind of just like now I'm I'm a lot happier about Trubisky. I think it was the right move at the time. Again. When Nick said, I agree. We have never taken a quarterback like this in, in the draft ever, period. And it, it was it was important to do that for our football team. But the the D two picks just still don't click for me. I just I still haven't gotten there. And I totally agree with the Trubisky pick again. But after that, I, other than Eddie Jackson, I just don't see a lot of sameness like in what Ryan Pace was doing and especially as a career move and this more importantly for the football team I just don't think it was the right way to go about the draft adding athleticism is always important to add to the football team but you all, I like the total package more than I like just athleticism I want to see production and I want to see high level competition and I want to see athleticism as well but we got three D2 guys we'll see how they do yeah. Anders, what do you think? Who was your favorite pick? Oh, man. I mean, Rich Gannon looks real good. (laughs) 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 If only you could evaluate 
funny you could evaluate football players like passing sirens, you'd be all good. Right? Dude, tell me about it. Um, I don't know. I think just coming in as an outsider who, again, don't know all that much about football, I think it's really strange that they made such a big deal about signing Glennon and then they go out and trade all these picks to draft a quarterback. I don't follow the Bears, so I don't know what's going on, but that doesn't seem like a move that makes sense. Just coming from, like, a basic understanding of how sports work. It'd be like, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a baseball equivalent, but I can't really think of one right now. So, I don't know. That just doesn't make sense to me. So. And it's just, it's going to, the frustrating part for a lot of fans, including myself, is by this point, you'd figured Pace had two drafts under him. Fox had two seasons to groom the roster. We would have got a couple big-name free agents. We'd be kind of not ready to win a division, but maybe sneak into a wild-card spot or be a respectable NFL team. And that's not where they're at right now. And it sounds like Pace still expects to be there, so maybe some of the players he's evaluated and brought in is better than I have evaluated. But it's just it's looking like we're going to go on the best. I see 6-10, and 10, another high draft pick, and just another frustrating season. And again, don't blow smoke to the media saying, well, we think this team can compete and we're, we're okay. Just say we're in a rebuilding phase transition. Might take another one to two years, and it would be a lot easier on the fan base. Yeah, you might not sell as many tickets because we know we're going to lose and stuff like that. But that's that's the situation right now, and they need to have the balls to do that. And the problem is they're not going to do that. And I think that's where a lot of the conflict is. And that's how the White Sox ran for years. But now they finally came out, said, you know what, we're in a transition. And guess what? They're doing some minor league games on CSN, and I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Just be transparent. That's the thing that's working the best for the, right, well, for the White Sox right now is the transparency in what they're doing. And so the fans are able to get on board with it because they're trusting the process, whereas the Bears are trying to hide what they're doing and sell you a half a product so they can sell you some tickets. Guess what? I'm not buying them anyway. I'm not going <laughs> to a game. I don't like going to football games. I love football, but guess what? I'm not buying your $400 ticket to sit there with four jackets on while it's negative six degrees and I got snots freezing in my face trying to sip a beer before it freezes on me. I don't, I'm not going anyway. The television has made the football experience so much more enjoyable at home than in a stadium that I'm already not going. You're going to get who you're going to get, period. You don't have to lie to us. The people you've been selling tickets to for years is who you're going to get. You're not going to get the we average fan... That. To come in there and buy tickets. Dan Bernstein said it the other day. He hasn't been to a Bears game in 20 years since he was done being a beat writer for them, and he went for free and sat in a press box. So I don't we understand about, what the uh, obsession with it is. With the the Blackhawks in the last episode, about like the difference between communicating and not communicating is that when you don't communicate, you end up having to do a lot of damage control. And when you do communicate, you maintain the respect of your fan base. So the decisions that the Bears are making, you know, internally they may have discussed everything that went on in the draft, and they may have known exactly what they were going to do when the time came. And everybody within the Bears organization had the same plan. The fans didn't know anything. Fans didn't know who the Bears were looking at. We could project and we could speculate and try to make sense of, you know, here's the options, here's the Bears, where they're going to pick – Here's what makes the most sense. The Bears could have had that exact game plan that they executed in the draft 
if they had just communicated a little bit, I mean, obviously you can't give away too much when it comes to the draft because then people will counter draft and everything will go on like that. But if they had communicated what they were looking at, the positions they were trying to fill, it would have saved them a lot of damage control. And I don't know. It's, like I said earlier, it doesn't make sense to me. And then uh, Nick kind of touched on it earlier, um, but they were talking on the score the other day. Uh, in order for this draft to work out in the Bears' favor and in the favor of the upper management, these players need to be great. They don't need to be good. Good isn't good enough. These players need to be great mm-hmm. in order for this draft to pay off for the Bears. So, I mean, who knows? They took a big risk taking the players that they did, but it could pay off. We just we don't know. That's why you play the games. The I mean, bottom line. The bottom line is if Trubisky is great. Not above average, not okay. If he is great, Ryan Pace will look like a genius. If he's not, he's going to look like an idiot. He's going to be fired, and that's the bottom line. And that's the whole problem with this. A problem with this draft. If you take a Jamal Adams, Solomon Thomas, trade back up, draft some quarterback, you look. The value is there, and because you know what you're going to get. Exactly. Because it was safe, and exactly. fans like safe. Um, and, real quick, we only got a couple more minutes, but I wanted to get this in real quick. This is we're gonna we're gonna bang our heads against the wall. You were talking about Trubisky having to be great, not good, not above average, great. He's got to come to fruition. Everything that Ryan Pace thought he saw when he made the bold move to go up and get him. Now, the problem is he here in, here in this city, and it's not only this city, but it's it's really one of the cities you can really say this. No matter how well he plays. Unless he throws 50 touchdowns and three interceptions and we win a Super Bowl, he's going to get it every week. Every single thing he does, he's going to get it because he was drafted too, because they traded up to get him and because, you know, he's supposed to be the future here. It doesn't matter how well this kid plays. If he doesn't do if – if he's not legendary, he's not going to be good enough in the eyes of a lot of Chicago sports consumers. You've, we've all we see it every day. We we saw it through the Jay Cutler tenure, and you know we obviously want him to be much better than that. And I think Jay, you know, was a good quarterback who made bad decisions with the ball at times and didn't get a lot of help around him. But Trubisky's going to have to be far and away better than any other quarterback we've ever had for the fans to really embrace him and and call it a success. I think that's a problem with Bear fans, especially like some of the older guys. I mean, they hear, oh, Jay Cutler sucks, let's get rid of him, let's get a young guy. They do that for the first time in franchise history, and you're mad about it. And yeah. I get the whole picks thing. He got him back, so it's not a huge thing. But don't be, it's it's like they're always looking for something. Jay Cutler, say what you want. He's the best quarterback in Chicago Bears history. Not saying much, but if he would have had some consistency, some offensive-minded, just just competent people around him, and maybe not Brandon Marshall when he was in his late 20s and actually had wide receivers, you know, better than Johnny Knox. Not knocking Johnny Knox, but you're not winning Super Bowls with Johnny Knox. Yeah. If he had a running game, if he had decent pieces around him, then maybe we're talking about something different. And that's what scares me about Pace firing Fox and his staff, because then it's Jay Color all over again. Trubisky's going right. to learn login Shift system. To another system. And then it's again. another system. Again. And then what happens if they don't win in two years? And then it's again. That's why they need to take the stance. 
right, we're, we're building for three or four years. So that way, maybe Fox, if Fox is the guy, then let him freaking have a couple losing seasons. It's not a big deal. Just come out and say what you're doing, and a lot of a lot of things will be solved. They were talking about that on the score the other day, too. When a team changes offensive systems or defensive systems or whatever, it takes a maximum or not. I don't I don't remember if they said a maximum, either maximum or minimum, whatever. It takes two years for an entire team to get on the same page. So, I mean, it's going to be a while. I mean, we're playing Falcons week one. They lost Kyle Shanahan. Don't tell me that the Falcons are going to pick up right where they left off last season. No, there's going to be some hiccups. I mean, most things stay the same, but you still got to get that timing down. I mean, it's a new guy calling plays. You got to get used to that, and that has an effect on the players, whether people like it or not. I just think the thing to keep looking at is this disconnect between the coaching staff and management, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for the rest of the season. I hope hope it's not a conversation from now on, but I think John Fox and Ryan Peace need to get on the same page, and I I wish they were able to do that, do so before the draft, so we're not having this conversation about three D two guys. Yeah. Hey, football, right? (laughs) 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 Well, that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for this episode. Uh, Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Patrick. Your analysis uh, was—I mean, I enjoyed listening. I learned a lot more listening to you guys than I would have any other place. So. Thank you for that. Um, I hope you guys can join us again on a podcast soon because this was awesome. Um, And, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been a special Bears edition of the Damn Ryan Show. We'll catch you next time. 